the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Even when you converse with people, you're, you're just like declaring the praises of God. It's always on your lips, and you're encouraging others to do the same. And he, and he speaks, and some people have tried to dissect this, you know, psalms versus hymns versus spiritual songs. You know, it's different, it's different kinds of worship, you know, it's different kinds. You know, we can sing some of the old hymns and we can incorporate, you know, the spiritual songs, worship songs, you know, just speak and make melody, make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give me thanks to God the Father for everything. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ephesians. Many of us have probably scratched our heads at the thought of addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as instructed by Paul in Ephesians. While we definitely get together to sing worship, what does it actually look like on an individual level? In today's message, Pastor Gary will teach you what Paul meant by this rather peculiar exhortation in his letters to those of the church of Ephesus. In his study, you'll learn that as believers, we should strive to have the praise of the Lord on our lips at all times, encouraging others to do likewise. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. First John 1, 5 to 7, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So, we are the light of the world. We're to be that bright testimony of Christ. Step into the darkness. Don't be afraid of the darkness. Step into the darkness and be that example of Christ in a dark world. But we have to leave those things that we used to do under the cover of darkness. And we have to be men and women and young people who come into the light and live for the glory of God. Now he adds in verse 15, he says, But be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And he says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So this is number 15 on the list. He tells us the new life is being filled with the Spirit instead of being drunk on wine. All right, now look, the idea here is 
There's the possibility, of course, that we can come under the influence of other substances. And so rather than becoming under the influence of alcohol, how about coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's saying. You know, don't be drunk with wine. Now, again, you know, look, the, the Bible does not prohibit one from drinking some alcohol. Obviously, the sin is getting drunk. And he, and he speaks there about drunkenness when he says, do not get drunk on wine or, or any intoxicating drink, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, in the Greek, it's in continuous action, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like constantly just... Pray for that overflowing, infilling work of God's Spirit. But the idea here is that there are, there's the possibility that something like alcohol can put you under its control and you surrender your faculties to it and often then end up doing ridiculous things. That's why he says, you know, uh, do not be filled with wine or don't be drunk with wine. King James says, wherein is excess. NIV says it leads to debauchery. You know, because when people get drunk, they, they do stupid things. I mean, they just do. Because you have no inhibitions, you know, you're, you're uninhibited now, and so you end up doing things, and people get drunk, they end, you know, they end up doing things, and they don't even remember. And they, they're taking their clothes off, and they're waking up with people like, how did you get into my bed? And, you know, they have, they have no idea about what happened in the last 12 hours or whatever. And so that's one kind of being under the influence, and not a good kind. And he says, how about wanting to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? How about, how about wanting to surrender to the power and the control of God's Spirit? How great would that be? I guarantee you, getting, getting under the influence of the Spirit will not land you in jail. Not the spirit capital S, friends, all right? That will not land you in jail. You will not wake up with someone you don't know. You will not be embarrassed and be told of what you did. And somebody has posted already on Instagram what you did and you don't even remember. Because being filled with the spirit is the greater control that we should be under. Every 30 minutes, someone is killed in an alcohol-related traffic accident. Every 30 minutes. Three-fourths of the incidence of spousal abuse involves alcohol. It's the third leading cause of death behind heart disease and cancer. Eleven passages on alcohol in the book of Proverbs. Nine out of eleven are cautions and warnings about the danger. So there's plenty of caution about that. And the exhortation is, if you're going to be under the influence of something, choose the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Have you ever read this verse? If, If you've read this before and you're like, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. How am I supposed to do that? Hey, amazing grace. Hey, how great thou art. You know, I mean, what... What does that look like? Okay, it's number 16 on your list. The new life has a desire to worship the Lord and to encourage others to do the same. That's what he's saying here. Be in such an attitude of worship and thanksgiving that even when you converse with people, you're you're just like declaring the praises of God. It's always on your lips. And you're encouraging others to do the same. 
And he, and he speaks, and some people have tried to dissect this, you know, psalms versus hymns versus spiritual songs. You know, it's different, it's different kinds of worship, you know, it's different kinds. You know, we can sing some of the old hymns and we can incorporate, you know, the spiritual songs, worship songs, you know, just speak and make melody, make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. You know, worship him and may his praise always be on your lips and encouraging others to do the same. Now he shifts here a little bit and he's going to talk about the life, the new life as it relates to three particular areas. He's going to talk about marriage, he's going to talk about the family, and he's going to talk about the workplace. And verse 21 should really be, I think, underneath the subtitle, but it's ahead of the subtitle. You notice that in your, in your Bibles between verse 21 and 22? Your Bibles, does it say wives and husbands or some, some kind of a subtitle like that? Verse 21 really should be under that because now he's going to move into, circle that first word of verse 21, submit, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What I'm going to do is we're going to just spend the last 10 minutes we have on this last section of chapter 5. So I'm going to read all of it and then we're going to come back and we're going, to, we're going to dissect it. So he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband." One of the things about going straight through the Bible is we cover all of it, even the parts that are not always that, um, uh, that easy uh, to hear and not as easy to teach. But um, this is what God says in relation to first marriage, and then later in chapter 6, he's going to talk about children and parents, and then he's going to talk about, in the context of the Roman Empire, he talks about slaves and masters, but what he's really referring to there are employees and employers. So... What he's going to talk about here through this last section of chapter 5 and into the first part of chapter 6 is that the new life practices biblical submission in whatever role you find yourself. And those roles might include being wives, husbands, children, parents, employees, or employers. Now, all of us fit into at least one of these. All of us are, are either... We're married, or, or we are a child, or we have children, or we are a parent, or we are employed, or we are an employer. I mean, we fit into this, all of us, at some category. And every single one of these categories has to understand the area of submission. It is the word that he uses beginning in verse 21, where he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes into the next few verses being about wives and the next several verses being about husbands, which is an important distinction, by the way. There are three verses directed to wives. There are eight verses directed to husbands. Mm-hmm. The women are like, that's right. 
Mm-hmm. You guys need, need more information. And so we do. And so uh, more than twice the number of verses directed to the husbands as are directed to the wives. There are three verses to the wives, eight verses to the husbands, and one verse at the very end, verse 33, that is kind of to both. So as we take a look at this, uh, the first thing that I want us to understand in regards to the context of this is what is biblical submission? When we say that the new life practices biblical submission in whatever role you find yourself, well, what is biblical submission? Number one, biblical submission is about mutual harmony. It is about mutual harmony. That's verse 21 when he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It implies in this verse a team player mentality, and it defies individualistic autonomy. That the idea is that you're going to find yourself belonging to people in, in one kind of a group or another, either within the context of marriage or the context of a family because you have kids or the context of a place of employment. You're always going to be connected in some way to people. And there has to be this recognition that, that submission in a biblical sense means that, that you are working together for mutual harmony. That God's idea behind biblical submission is to bring about in whatever venue, whether it's marriage or the, the home or the workplace, harmony. And it is incumbent upon each of us to work to that end with a team player mentality, not some individualistic autonomy view of life where I'm just going to do whatever I want. Okay, nobody should ever think I'm just going to do whatever I want. All of us fall under some kind of authority, and if, if you can't think of any, let me just suggest to you Jesus, all right? All of us are people under authority, and as those who are under the authority of the headship of Jesus Christ, within these different venues, God says, now, I want there to be a mutual effort at working together that there might be harmony, that there might be harmony. So he starts out the section, Paul does, by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And each of us needs to be asking ourselves in whatever venue you find yourself, how can I be working together as a team with those in my area, in my tribe, in my group? How can I be working together as a team under the Lord's headship, under the Lord's leadership, to bring about harmony, whether it's in a marriage, a family, or a place of employment? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves as we understand and look towards fulfilling the concept of biblical submission. How can we work together as a team under the Lord's headship to bring about harmony in a marriage, a family, or a place of employment? The second thing that is important to understand about biblical submission, number two, is that it is unto the Lord... It is always unto the Lord. I just want to highlight, if you would, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Go ahead and jump to chapter 6 because I want you to see the same theme even though we're not going to get to chapter 6 tonight. In chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You see that. And in verse three of cha- uh, sorry, verse five of chapter six, 
Slaves, again, Roman Empire context, employees, obey your earthly masters or your employers with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Okay, so as Christians living the new life, here's the concept. My ultimate submission is to the Lord. He is the supreme one that I submit myself to. And it displays itself. My supreme submission to my supreme Lord displays itself in the way I respect the leadership to which I have been assigned or I find my place in life. Does everyone understand that? I am submitting myself to Christ, whether I'm a wife, a husband, whether I am a child, whether I'm a parent, whether I'm an employer or an employer. All of us are submitting to the Lord, and it displays itself. The submission to the Lord displays itself in how then we respect and honor the leadership structure that we find ourselves in, in an earthly sense. So that needs to be understood. Now, because of that, because our ultimate submission is first and foremost supremely to the Lord, that means that if ever earthly leadership conflicts with, and it has to be clearly a biblical conflict, with the supreme authority of Christ, you don't have to obey or follow the instruction of that earthly leadership. Because it is unto the Lord. So again, if your boss asks you to do something that is unethical or worse, illegal, listen, you don't work for your boss, not supremely. You work for Christ. You are laboring unto the Lord. And so that means that if your boss who is under the Lord, whether or not that person is a Christian, that doesn't matter. If you are a believer, you are working supremely for Christ. And so if your boss asks you to do something, cook the books for me, do something unethical or illegal, you, you can refuse to do it. Now, you might get fired for it. I mean, there are consequences when we want to live for the Lord. There, there are some things that we're going to pay as a result of our, of our honoring Christ first. But what I'm suggesting to you is that Scripture teaches that there is an appropriate place and time to go against authority or leadership when it clearly, and I need to emphasize this, this is not just whimsical interpretation, when it clearly conflicts with biblical truth. Okay, we don't get to decide, well, I, you know, I don't really like to do that, and I'm submitting to Jesus, and I don't really have to submit to you, Jack. You know, okay, that's, that, I'm not suggesting you go in tomorrow to your boss and just say, hey, by the way, I went to church last night, my pastor said I really work for Jesus, not for you. Okay. <laughs> that isn't going to work. Okay, what I am saying, though, is because Jesus is supreme and he is Lord, if your boss asks you to do something that is a clear conflict with biblical truth, then you get to say, sorry, I can't do that. That violates my conscience before God as my supreme boss and my savior. And then let the chips fall where they may. But our submission, biblically speaking, is unto the Lord. Now, number three, because I've got to hasten through this. Number three, it is about structure, not subservience. And I want to emphasize this. Because sometimes people have this notion that submission means someone is inferior and someone is superior. That's not biblical submission. You know, Galatians 3.28 makes it clear, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. There is no better than or less than person in God's economy of humanity, ever. There's not greater than, more superior. Now, there might be ranks, like in military, there are ranks, there are authority structures, there are, there are leadership roles, 
But whoever might have rank or leadership or authority is never superior to anyone else. Not in God's economy of things. Not in in terms of humanity. We are all one in Christ. So we are all equally valued. But it is about structure. It's not about subservience. God is a God of order. You see it all through the Bible. The Genesis account, you can't get beyond the, the creation story without realizing, man, God has an order about things on the first day, on the second day, on the third day. And things were created in order and with structure. You see it even in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. It says, let everything be done decently and in order. God is a God of order. And in order to arrange order or structure, he puts in place within families, homes, places of business, government, he puts structure that we need to honor and respect. He puts that structure in there. Now, the Greek word for submission, for submit, is hupotasso. Hupotasso is from two words, hupo meaning under and tasso meaning to arrange in an orderly manner. It's actually a military term in the original Greek language, hupotasso, to arrange in an orderly manner. So God's intent, when he starts talking about wives submitting to your husbands, when he starts talking about uh, employees submitting to your employers, parents, uh, uh, sorry, children, obey your parents, he, he's not speaking in terms of some people are better than or less than. There's this issue of subservience. What he's speaking of here is structure. In order for there to maintain harmony and order, there is a structure. Not better than, not less than, not superior, not inferior. It's for purpose of structure. It's to arrange in an orderly manner. Everybody following this? So he speaks to the wives, and then he speaks to the husbands. Because if you read this, look, a lot of this is self-explanatory. When you understand that God's intent behind this is for order and for structure, then wives submitting to husbands as to the Lord, husbands loving your wives just as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her, um, protecting her, cleansing her, caring for her. Uh, he, he, t- he goes on talking to, about husbands, about loving his wife as he loves himself. No, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the, does the church. Now, you know, I've heard this over the years of ministry, so I just want to comment on a couple of things and we'll pray. Sometimes I hear this idea, this notion, well, he's not being very... Um, Godly, so I don't have to respect him, or she's not being very godly, so I don't have to love her. I mean, for goodness sakes, there's going to be plenty of days that we're not, we're not, we're not really very Christ-like, but, but that does not let us off the hook. There are going to be times that he's not all that respectable, but you still need to respect him. There's going to be some times that she's not all that lovely, but you, you still need to love her. And and at the end of the day, he says here at this chapter, he says in verse 33, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The number one thing that men want is respect, and the number one thing that women want is to feel loved. That's generally speaking. That isn't to mean that men don't want to feel loved. Men want to feel loved, and that doesn't mean that women don't want and need to be respected. They also need that and deserve to be respected. It's in generally speaking. The most important thing to a woman is her sense of feeling loved by her husband and a husband needing to feel the respect uh, of his wife, that that he is a man that that she loves and honors and and that she is is a woman that he genuinely cares for and wants to protect and cherish and nurture and love her. And these are important. You know, even Aretha Franklin made R-E-S-P-E-C-T very famous, right? 
And so you might think, okay, there's Aretha Franklin singing R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But that song was written by a man. And Aretha Franklin made it famous. So, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands and submit to them as unto the Lord. That's all we have time for today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary will have more to share from Ephesians next time. But right now, we'd like to tell you how you can continue studying God's Word on your own. Did you know that you can learn from the Bible? You don't need a degree or years of study to understand what God has to say. Just open up the Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and heart to the message printed there. If you'd like some additional resources to help with your personal time studying the Bible, we've compiled a list for you on our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Just search under the Teachings tab. While you're there, feel free to listen to more of Pastor Gary's messages in Ephesians or in the other books of the Bible he's explored. You can also subscribe to our podcast or take Cornerstone Connection anywhere with the mobile app to listen to commentary on the Word. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us at Cornerstone Chapel to spend time in fellowship, worship, and studying Scripture together. Your presence is most welcome. Find out more at our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again for our next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.